Praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, I was sitting here looking over some material uh, of a couple of programs <clears throat> that I want to get ready to do on live radio. And uh, in the course of doing that, I come across uh, some uh, another subject that uh, I felt led of the Lord that he would want shared. Uh, I almost thought about actually doing it on the live show tomorrow night. But I didn't feel that that was the way the Lord was going with it. So I decided to sit down and, and tape uh, this particular segment <clears throat> because I believe uh, it lends uh, insight into some of the other things that the Lord will be having us to teach in just the very near future. And um, my attention was drawn uh, to First and Second Peter. Peter, as you know, the big fisherman, Christ follower, uh, he, he had a rocky road of it sometimes. He, he started out well, and uh, he was the one that, you know, Jesus was asking the question, who do men say that I am? And, and uh, it was Peter who spoke up and said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, uh, of course, the Lord said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you. And so... Peter was uh, an interesting character uh, among the Lord's disciples, and uh, I've known some people, and perhaps even myself, perhaps those of you that are listening to me at times, you have seen Peter in yourself, um, very well-intentioned and very boisterous, and, and then when the, when the chips were down, of course, we know the story, Peter denies the Lord three times, as the Lord said that he would, and then Peter... Uh, repented, of course, and his, his heart was broken, no doubt, over what had happened, and he was restored, and he became a pillar uh, in the early church. And in his writings, we find uh, the, the touch of the Holy Spirit leading us in a particular direction. Now, it's not my intention to, uh, to cover both of these books in their totality uh, in this little bit of time that we have. But um, <clears throat> I was reading in 1 Peter, actually, and I come across some things that Peter told us to lay aside. And then the Holy Spirit quickened 2 Peter to me of some things that, the, that Peter tells us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to add to our faith. And I began to meditate on this, and I believe the Holy Spirit uh, spoke to my heart several times in this process. And this is something that's been over a period of days. Um, Again, so much so that I actually thought about taping it, or not taping it, I thought about preaching it on tomorrow night's live program, but the Lord had already given me a, a topic for tomorrow night's program, and He told me He didn't want me to deviate from it. <clears throat> so I decided to sit down here today and look at a couple of these sections, and I think it would be good for us to first of all look at what Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter 1 that the believer needs to add to their faith. Now, right away, uh, that terminology, add to your faith, gets the attention of some people. And, and they would say, well, you mean to say that faith isn't enough? Uh, no, you know, Peter's not saying that. Peter's not saying that faith isn't enough. But what Peter is teaching, and what Paul taught, and what Jesus taught, and uh, 
as it regards faith is that faith will produce that which is to be added. Okay? Faith will produce the things that we need to have in addition to our faith. And when we have faith, faith won't be all that's there. I, I think that's a, a concept that's contained in this as well. When we really have Bible faith, faith will not be all that we have. And so, in the faith is the seed of faith that produces the crop in the believer's life of these other things. When we have faith, faith won't be all that we have. So Peter isn't saying faith isn't enough. And you also have to remember that we get saved by faith and we're sanctified by faith. But God uses things in that faith process. He, he uses the Word of God. He uses prayer. He uses all of the Christian disciplines. Uh, in that process of us exhibiting faith. So it all works together. Uh, faith and the Christian disciplines are not opposed to one another. They work in tandem uh, if it's properly used by the believer, or maybe we shouldn't say it that way. Maybe we should say if, if it's properly functioning according to the Holy Spirit's guidance in the heart and life of the believer, then faith and the Christian disciplines, faith and obedience to the, what God would prompt us or lead us or guide us to do as an action, they are not opposed to each other. They will operate in tandem. And so the obedience will actually enhance the faith. The reading of the Word, the prayer, the fasting will enhance the faith. When, remember again, when you have faith, Faith won't be all that you have. When you have faith, when faith is there, it won't be all that's there. So let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and I want to read you some things that Simon Peter, the big fisherman, says that we as believers should add to our faith. And I'm going to skip the, the greeting and all of that, and I want to start with verse 4. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Praise God. Now God gives us these great and these precious promises that we might believe them, that we might stand on them by faith, okay? That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. See, we get to simply partake of the divine nature. The sin nature and the human nature is still in the believer, but we can also partake of the divine nature by faith. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and that verse basically tells us that the sin nature doesn't need to dominate our lives, and that even our human nature doesn't need to be the dominant force in our life, but that the divine nature, the great and precious promises, the power of God, can dominate the believer's heart and life. And then Peter gets to this addition. He says, and beside this. So he's talking about beside this faith entrance. Giving all diligence. Now, get, in other words, you are to give all diligence to adding these things, to seeing to it that these things are mixed with your faith. Listen. Add to your faith virtue. Now, 
for the purposes of our study today, I'm not going to give the definitions of these. Uh, I want to uh, focus our attention a little bit more on the side of things where Peter tells us what to lay aside. And in order to do that, we're going to have to go back to 1 Peter in just a moment. But I want, to, I want to read these. I think it would be good for it to be in our mind when we get to the subject of lay aside. Okay? Because Peter, in his, in his epistles, tells us to add some things and to lay some things aside. He says, first of all, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, or love. So these are things that need to be evident with our faith. And if our faith in Christ, if our faith in Christ and what he did at the cross, if our faith in the the person and the work of Jesus Christ is proper and correct, then we will also see virtue and knowledge uh, in the life of the believer. We will see temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and love in the life of the believer. If, if things are well, if things are functioning as intended by the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine, then these things will be evident. So these are the things that Peter says to add to our faith. Let's list them one more time, and then we'll move on into 1 Peter. He says, Beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, I I said I wasn't going to define this, but virtue simply means uh, uh, power and moral excellence. So proper faith will produce a moral excellence and moral power in the life of the believer. Also, it will produce knowledge. It will produce temperance. It will produce patience. You know, if if you're experiencing a problem in the area of patience in your life, you want to check your faith. Where is your faith at? And uh, we could delineate that for a very, very long time, and perhaps in, in coming programs we will do so, but for now we're just giving this list. To patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. In verse 8, he said, If these things be in you and abound. So these things are not only to be there, they're not only to be present, they're not only to be visible, but they are to be aboundingly so. An overabundance. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I like that passage because it indicates to us, and and I think we've all met people who have known a lot of Bible facts. They've known a lot of Scripture verses. They've known a lot of trivia about the Word of God. And they can even quote great portions of the Scripture to us. But all of that knowledge is barren and unfruitful in their life if these qualities are not evidence along with their faith. And there is such a thing of as a person not really operating in true faith, but operating in a whole lot of presumption. And one of the ways that you can tell 
is if these other qualities are missing from their life. I mean, if they're mean, if they're mean-spirited, if they're judgmental, if they're critical, if they're opinionated, um, <clears throat> they're, la they're lacking in love, they're lacking in patience, and all of these things that Peter gives us there, then what you might actually be seeing with them is not faith so much as it would be presumption. They're presuming upon God, but faith, Bible faith in Christ, will produce these other qualities as well. And so, this is the goal of every believer, is to be uh, not barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the 8th verse says. And our, our goal as Christians is to bring forth fruit unto the glory of God. So that uh, when, when the world sees our fruit, when the Lord sees our fruit, He is glorified. And in order for this to, to happen, there are some things that we must also lay aside. And I think the point that the Holy Spirit gave to me uh, in this little study that I was doing was that if we do not lay aside that which we are told to lay aside, and I'm going to read it to you in a moment and give you a little bit of a definition of some of it. If we don't lay that aside, <clears throat> then we're going to have tremendous difficulty in these things being added to our faith. Even though the first Peter comes before second Peter and the list of lay aside is before the list of add to, the way the Holy Spirit connected it in my heart was, you know, here's the thing that we want to be as a Christian. We, we want to be patient. We want to be godly. We want to have love. We want all these things. And, and it's basically just the process of the Holy Spirit conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ, the, the Lamb of God. And so we want to be like Jesus. <clears throat> but if we're not willing to lay certain things aside then we never can become like Jesus. And we never can see these things abound in our lives. So again, that 8th verse, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now, when the Holy Spirit is working on that faith and, and telling you other things to put with that faith, which is not the, the things that you're putting, in other words, the virtue, the knowledge, the temperance, the patience, the godliness, the brotherly kindness, and the love, these things are not setting you apart, but because you are set apart, these things are flowing from your life because your faith is proper. Now, the Bible that you're learning, the facts, the trivia, the verses all that you're learning, now it will be fruitful and productive in Jesus Christ. And that's what we want. We don't want to have just a head full of verses. We don't want to have just a head full of information and knowledge. We want it to get from our head down to our hearts. That happens. It's, it happens with faith. And then Add to your faith, and not only just add, but diligently add to your faith these things. And again, it gets added by the Holy Spirit when our faith is correct. And in that process is 
our obedience. We're sanctified unto obedience, the scripture says. Uh, it was actually Peter that said that in another verse. So we're sanctified unto obedience. In other words, in my sanctification process, the Holy Spirit's going to say to me, Hey, hey Lynn, it's time to read the Word now. I need to go on ahead and be obedient to the Holy Spirit and begin to read that Word and commit that Word to memory and quote that Word and speak that Word. Hallelujah. Because the Bible definitely teaches the power of the tongue. And so I need to be faithful to do the things that, you know, the Holy Spirit might come to me and say, Lynn, I want you to fast two meals today. I'm going to do something in your life. I need to go on ahead and be obedient to that. What, what am I doing? I'm cooperating with the Holy Spirit in His directive of adding these things to my faith that we've just read in 2 Peter chapter 1. So get it out of your mind that it's just all faith, grace, and obedience doesn't matter because obedience enhances faith and grace. And I'm going to say that once more. Obedience enhances faith and grace. Obedience uh, heightens faith and grace in our life and in our heart. And the things are that are produced in us will be of the Lord. So that's what we want. However, as I went over in my time of study, and my, it was just a quiet time, just me and the Lord, and I was, the Holy Spirit had quickened these things to me, and I began to read in 1 Peter chapter 2, and here's what it says. Wherefore, now we're in 1 Peter now, chapter 2, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes. Maybe you're not a newborn babe, okay? Maybe you've been saved for 50 years. But he says, as a newborn babe would do, you need to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and I want to say this. Um, Jesus, in his own teaching, when he was on earth, he himself said that, except you become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And we, we like to correlate that all the time to salvation, but I, be, I believe that it extends beyond salvation, and I believe Peter brings that out here when he says, as a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word. So that just doesn't happen just when we get saved. This should be the posture, the faith of a child should be the Christian's posture after you've been saved for 60 years. You know what I'm saying? After you've been saved for 70 years, if you make it that far, you should still be in the posture, faith as a little child. And that's how you enter in to the kingdom of God. Uh, you, you got saved that way, but you bring the kingdom into every area of your life by operating in the faith of a little child. And if we don't do that, then we begin to have problems with, you know, God will give us His word, He'll give us a promise, He'll give us a commandment, whatever. And we'll start to think about this and start to rationalize it 
and we'll start to figure out how we're going to do it rather than letting the Holy Spirit birth it through us. And then we get then we do get over into works. And and little by little I've seen Christians who you know absolutely love the Lord, absolutely called of God, absolutely absolutely sold out to Jesus, but their whole life is based on a system of works. And I think it gets that way through a series of many events. And one of the ways to avoid it is to see the correlation that Peter's making between these two messages that he preached. One of them is to add to, one of them is to lay aside. And if we're not willing to get to this place where we're willing to lay aside these things, what things are they? Let's look at them uh, briefly. I'm not going to keep you long, just a little bit here today. As we're just touching the surface of, of what God began working in my heart some several days ago in my own private time with the Lord. But um, <clears throat> in the Greek, this phrase laying aside refers to a once for all action. So this is a decision, this is a determined stance that you're going to have to make. Um, and it's, it's a once for all action in the Greek that is complete. It's a final decision that we have to make. Lay aside. And First Peter chapter two verses one through three that I read instructs us to lay aside five things. And these things are read different in different translations. I might read before this time is over today the NLT translation of this as well. But the five things are malice, all guile, hypocrisies envies, and evil speaking. If we're not willing to be done with those things, and if we aren't willing, and if we don't, let's say it that way, if we don't make this once-for-all complete action decision to lay those aside, we are forever done with those, and every time we see one of those coming out of our life, we're going to judge ourselves so that we won't be judged at the end. We're going to repent of this thing and put it aside. If we're not willing to do that, then we will never see these things in 2 Peter chapter 1 that I talked about a moment ago added to our life the way that the Lord wants to add them to our life. It just won't happen. It can't. Because... These things hinder faith. And remember I told you at the beginning, <clears throat> in the faith is the seed, if you will, of this crop of patience and diligence and all these things, brotherly kindness and love uh, and virtue and knowledge, all of these things that will be added to your life. The seed of it is in your faith. Faith in Christ and Him crucified. Faith in in Christ and Him risen again. And so, it's in your faith. Your faith can be polluted by these other things that Peter tells you to lay aside. Let's list them again. He tells us to lay aside uh, malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and evil speakings. Now, now, in the Greek, malice can include all forms of wickedness and it can also refer to deceiving people. Deceiving people. The word guile in Greek 
actually means to catch with bait, and it describes an underhanded, sly, crafty person who takes advantage of other people. The word hypocrisy, uh, as it was used in the first century when the scripture was written, it was used to refer to an actor behind a mask, pretending to be someone else. Envies include jealousy and spite. You see this a whole lot in ministry. And it also then leads to malice and guile because people will lie about what they're doing in ministry to appear bigger than they are, to appear to have more influence than God has given them, etc. and so forth. We could go on and on and on and on. We won't for this time frame today, but I just want you to get the idea. Uh, Envies can include jealousy and spite. The word envy comes from a root word meaning to wither or to shrivel. And, And this tells us that a Envy in the heart and life of a Christian will cause their walk with God to shrivel. Remember I told you, if you aren't willing to lay this stuff aside once and for all and to judge and correct yourself and repent every time you see the enemy trying to bring this back into your living, if you're not willing to do that, you can never see those other things in 2 Peter chapter 1 added to your faith the way that Peter said they needed to be. You can't do it. Because these forces that we're told to lay aside, these five things that we're told to lay aside, if you don't, it, it'll cause your walk with God to shrivel. It'll cause your faith to be weak and ineffective. It will cause uh, kingdom... And when I say kingdom, I'm talking about kingdom-mindedness, kingdom principles, kingdom power, kingdom faith, all that pertains to the kingdom of the Lord. It will cause it to elude your grasp. And you may be sincere. You may have a, a sincerity that you want to love God and you want to serve God and you want to do right, but it will always just be out of your reach until these things are laid aside once and for all. You say, does that mean, Brother Paxton, that I won't have another problem with them? No. It doesn't mean that at all. There will be a warfare. We are in a warfare as Christians. That warfare will not let up. There will be temptation that will come to fall back into these things. You must fight the good fight of faith to avoid these things. But what is once for all uh, contained in that Greek phrase laying aside is the decision and the commitment that every single time the Holy Spirit puts his finger on malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking in my life, I'm going to judge myself of that. I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to make correction by the help of the Holy Spirit so I don't live that way, think that way, or talk that way, or behave that way anymore. That's what we're talking about is that quality decision. And so we've dealt briefly here with malice, guile, hypocrisy, and envy. Next is evil speaking. And in the Greek, that literally means to speak down. And it refers to defaming people or talking lowly of people in front of other believers. That's what it refers to. And and along with that is this terrible tendency in the body today 
to presume that you know what somebody's motives are. And people even, people even get deceived into calling that the gift of discernment. First of all, in the Word of God, there's no such thing as the gift of discernment. In the gifts of the Spirit, it's called the gift of discerning of spirits. It's not the, the, any gift of discernment at all. And most of the time, people who are touting great gifts of discernment really have a critical spirit. And they're just out there to, uh, many of them I know just talk like talking machines and don't say a thing. And the more they talk, the less weight their voice carries with genuine believers. Okay, so these are things that really need to be addressed. Pastors, you need to address these issues in your congregations. Evangelists, you need to preach about these issues in the congregations where you're invited in. Teachers, you need to begin to teach these implications as we have briefly laid out, and there are many more that we don't have time to lay out here today. You need to address these issues because they're causing believers' walks with God to shrivel. And we, we actually need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to bring people to a place where they will run to the altar to get rid of these things. And you say, well, Brother Paxton, I don't think that that's going to happen. Listen, friend, in my meetings all across the country, I've seen it. I saw it in Ottawa, Illinois. I saw it in Peoria, Illinois. I saw it in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I saw it in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I saw it in Topeka, Kansas. I saw it in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I saw it in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, on and on and on and on I could go of cities and towns where I've preached over the years. And every time the Lord has had me to touch on these type of issues, uh, people have responded by running to the altars and most of them weeping because they want to live for God and they want to be delivered. And the good gospel news is you can be. You can be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's talk a little more here about evil speaking. Um, the word sincere comes from the Greek word for guile but inc includes the Greek letter alpha as a prefix. So in other words, sincere is the opposite of guile or insincerity. All right. Uh, the, the, the Greek letter alpha in front of the word negates the meaning of guile and changes the word to mean unadulterated. The idea is that our words and actions should unadulteratedly bless others because we are growing in the knowledge of the Lord and being nourished by the Word of God. Alright, so let's, let's say that again and then make another observation as we get ready to wind down our time here today. <clears throat> our words and actions as Christians should be to bless others. Not even to judge them, not even to point out their sin. Now if the Holy Spirit does that through a message or, or whatever, then that's one thing. But when we're talking to folk, we should bless them because we're growing in the knowledge of the Lord and we're being nourished and nurtured by the Word of the Lord. So if the, it, here's the opposite of that. Let's take that prefix away that I mentioned a moment ago and get back to the root meaning of, the, of the, the word before the prefix. And it tells us that if we're not blessing people, if we're gossiping, 
if we are uh, presuming to know what somebody's motives are and then we're telling it all over or we're posting it on social media or whatever the case might be. All of these inappropriate Christian behaviors. If we're doing that, then that stops the Word of God from nourishing us and it stops our growth in the Lord until we repent. That's what Peter is pointing out by these two sections of Scripture. In, in 2 Peter, let's go back there again. In 2 Peter chapter 1, where he tells us the things to add to our faith, that picture of those things being added to our faith is a picture of growth and nourishment in the Lord. Okay? That's normal Christian living. Cannot happen until we go back here to 1 Peter chapter 2 and lay aside some things. But when we do lay aside those things, then these things that we saw in 2 Peter will be added to our faith, will be put into normal Christian growth, and we can literally see the plan of God accomplished for our lives. But that plan of God that He has for every one of our lives will be blocked, it will be slowed, it will be stymied, it will be hindered if we refuse to lay these five things aside. What are they again? Malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and that can also refer to jealousies. And remember I told you that is very, very common in ministry today. And also evil speakings. So, what we've done is we've touched on this today, something that I'll probably preach by the grace of God several times in my life after the Lord has shown me this correlation between these two sections of Peter's sermons or Peter's epistles, letters that he wrote, teaching uh, the early church believers. I'll probably preach this many, many more times, but I wanted you to see the correlation you know, 2 Peter chapter 1 is telling us where we ought to be. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, and you could actually include a few more verses in there, is showing us the things that will stop the progress that the Holy Spirit wants to make in our hearts and lives. And so these things are very uh, critical. It's very urgent that we begin to take a look at our lives. You know, don't look at your neighbors. Look at your life. And I'll look at mine. And so on and so forth. And we do begin to ask the Holy Spirit to do an inventory on us and show us things that we need to lay aside that fall up under these five categories. Show us things that we... I mean, I believe it'll change the way we think. I believe it will, it will help us to not mistake our own flesh for a gift of the Spirit. I believe it will help us to discern when we're really hearing from God or when this is something that just offends my flesh or my mind that another person's doing. And immediately I see that they're doing it and my flesh gets offended, my mind gets offended, but am I really hearing from God? And I'll guarantee you, if you take that situation and you react to it in any one of these five ways, you are not hearing from God. You think you are, you're deceived into believing you are, but friend, you're really not. Because God doesn't want you to operate in that way. And God doesn't want you to operate in that fashion. 
God wants us to walk by love. And God wants us, He gives us discernment, yes, but not to judge other people and to speak critically to them and to post it on social media where thousands of other people can see their shame. That is an ungodly thing for you to do. For any of us to do. God doesn't give us discernment to shame people. He doesn't give us discernment to expose people to the world. He gives us discernment to protect us and to show us how to pray and to tell us what road to take. Glory to God. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do an inventory in our lives, show us what we need to lay aside so that God's plan can be unhindered in our life. And so that we can see patience added to our faith and virtue and knowledge. And then that knowledge that Peter's talking about in the second chapter, the first, uh, the second book, the first chapter, is not the knowledge that is unfruitful or barren. It's not head knowledge, it's heart knowledge. Glory to God. And then that knowledge can bring kingdom to situations that we face in life. Rather than, you know, we're bringing judgmentalism, we're bringing our flesh, we're bringing our ego, we're bringing self into the mix. But what God wants to do is for His people to bring kingdom into the situations we face. That's not going to happen with a head knowledge only of the Word. And what happens is, if you see a person uh, claiming great faith, claiming ministry gifts, claiming power, but they don't have virtue, knowledge, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, love added to their faith, they're not right. And the reason that they're not right, Peter said, is because there's things that need to be laid aside that the other forces that come from the Holy Spirit that add to the believer's faith might truly flourish in that believer. And then uh, that believer will take the verses that they know, the ministry principles that they know, the church growth that they know, all the things that they know that at the moment might be barren and unfruitful knowledge in their head, but it will take that and put it in their heart and it will begin to produce kingdom. And as kingdom is produced in the world today, men and women will be saved by the blood of Jesus. And people will be healed. Hallelujah. And prosperity will begin to flow. Real, true prosperity. Amen. So, as we close this section today, and I didn't get to the NLT reading of this, but in the next time that I deal with these texts, I'll try to read it actually from a, <clears throat> a, a multiplicity of translations, and it'll give you a better idea even yet of what's being said, although I think we were pretty plain here today. 2 Peter chapter 1 clearly shows the believer what the believer must add to his faith. Not saying that faith is not enough, but saying that faith, when it's there, it won't be all that's there. And then 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, tell us in order for that to occur, these five things need to be laid aside by the believer. And that's all of us. 
every single you know i i have to deal with these very same issues and tendencies that y'all do i have to allow the holy spirit to work in me too and you have to allow the holy spirit to work in you and the word of god is the guideline and the standard amen and the Holy Spirit is the source of our power. And when our faith is right, the Holy Spirit will help us. And He will tell us something that we can do to cooperate with Him in that faith walk. Amen. And so all of these things that we've said today flow together in a continuum of Bible thought given to us here by the big fisherman, the great apostle Peter. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time with the people today. Father God, I pray that you will help us all. Help us all to just desire to be so much like Jesus. And help us to really desire to lay aside the things of the world. Help us to lay aside the thinking of the world. Help us to lay aside the believing and the feeling of the world as well, God. And help us to lay aside the actions and the activities of the world. And Lord, conform us today into the image of Jesus Christ. Add to our faith today, Lord. Oh God, we, pl we pray before you right now. Add to our faith today these tremendous virtues of kingdom faith. And we believe you for it now. And give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen. So if you're available, hey, tune in to our next live radio program where we will bring you another biblical message, we believe, from the heart of God in Jesus' name. God bless you. This is Brother Paxton saying, Go with God and He will go with you. Bye-bye.